Hello, John. Hello. Oh, well, let's see. It's been a while, right? A month? <clears throat> it hasn't been a month. A couple of weeks, right? No Three way. Weeks. No way. Did we record right after Thanksgiving or before? It was November 6th, so oh. over a month. We recorded right before Thanksgiving. thought we did. Was that before? Yeah, that was before Thanksgiving. No, no, we didn't record before Thanksgiving. You're right. We, we probably tried to. I know we've tried a few times, but... Yeah. That's right. I don't think we were missed. You know, activities and illnesses and all kinds of stuff. Man, I had a cold and then another cold. I think one of them probably was COVID. I don't know. I don't, I don't, we don't test anymore. Um, so, I'm not sure. But I've had um, like a lingering cough, like mm-hmm. a congestion for that lasted a month. And I feel like I'm <clears throat> kind of getting over it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I don't, that's not what I mean. I mean, I'm almost completely over it. But I'm good for, like, when I get a cold in the winter, I'm good for about a month of uh, bronchitis, usually. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, maybe that's what it was. I don't know. I didn't go to get a chest or x-ray, x-ray or anything. It wasn't that bad. Oh, well, uh, let's see. I just got a bunch of news items and stuff, and I got a, I got a topic. Um, do we have any any community topics that are in the pile at all? No, <clears throat> no. Okay. I haven't really checked, and I haven't stayed on top of that. I also stay on top of emails. We get we get emails occasionally, right? And and I just I normally flag them if, if the emails have you know a topic suggestion for us. I'll flag those and I'll have those on hand. But I don't have any this round. Oddly, uh, you know, we get emails, and I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know what people are emailing to, but it comes through Fireside. Um, there's a contact form, I think, on Fireside. Okay. And then there's also. Um, is that what it is? When I our get... direct email, where you can email. <clears throat> Yeah, I just feel like I'm, maybe I'm, I'm seeing those fires. How do people even get to that? Is that on our website? I think so. Okay. There's a contact form? <laughs> uh, contact. Yeah, there should be like a contact. Okay. Huh. Well, that's what that is. I, yeah. I didn't realize that's where that came from. Okay. I mean, we've only been doing this for over 10 years. I, I'm, I'm still trying. still don't know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you do all that stuff. You do all the hosting, web, yeah. um, whatever. I don't, I'm not involved in that. You're just a voice on the microphone. It's just our, yeah, it's how we divide our labor around here with the Good Day Sir uh, operations. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. TDX registration opened, and it's, yeah. um, I think it's March 6th through 7th, if I remember correctly. I, I registered and went ahead and booked a hotel because that's like, that's the important thing you got to take care of. Right. <clears throat> but I think there's a good chance I won't be able to go. Hmm. So I'll just have to cancel that. Just the timing of it? Or? Timing and yeah. what I've got going on project-wise and, and go-live dates, it's yeah. very problematic. So if I'm ahead on stuff and everything's going swimmingly, then I'll probably be able to go. But if not, we'll not make it, <clears throat> which will be a bummer, but that's life. I'll make it. Kidding. Yeah. You don't have any intention of going, right? <laughs> no. No. What would, what would it take to get John to go to a, a conference again? Um, not San Francisco. So. Yeah, oh, that's right. You, that's your deal breaker nowadays, huh? It is. Yeah. I've just, I have not, uh, the last few times I've been, I just were not good experiences. And I mean, I want to seem, I want to make it seem like I was like assaulted or anything like that. It just wasn't, it just wasn't a fun environment. You know, the, the, the cost and the expense of it. And then the amount of people that were there and then, you know, just trying to get to places yeah. to, you know, feed yourself and things like that was a real chore. And then you have, you, you can't venture too far off the beaten path because 
then you do run the risk of running into some some crazy people on the streets and so it's just it's just i don't know yeah uh, the whole just the crowdedness is is one thing that's that's probably the part that i dislike the most um yeah i've never been that bothered by um the like the homeless or the poop or whatever i mean i do watch where i walk <clears throat> but i've never had any <laughs> negative incident i mean other than people like just crazy people yelling at me and stuff which yeah. you know sticks and stones yeah but uh like some people that i know though get, are really bothered by it and feel um like they're in a little bit of danger and stuff or just don't like the de- it's it's just a depressing I just it's don't a depre- like the environment yeah. it's a depressing place to be it's, it's i just don't want to be around it i guess <laughs> yeah. is, is a better the, the humanity it. of the whole situation is very depressing yeah um, so no, I, I get that um hmm. well shoot it might be a while then because i you know and i don't I don't even have this on my list, but and I think this happened since we recorded last. But did you see the thing where <clears throat> um, Benioff uh, kind of went took to Twitter? I guess I don't know if I don't know if he communicated this in other ways. I, I assume he did because I know he you know he and the mayor are, are buds. I mean, mm-hmm. probably all the politicians there in San Francisco. Um, but uh, he had all these demands. And it was weird because it was like all the like basically just we need to we need to reverse the BLM stuff. So like he was all about refunding the police. Yeah, refund the police. He kept using that phrase. Yeah, um, and he had specific numbers. Like I forget what the number of cops, but like I think they you know San Francisco had like I'm just making up numbers here like two hundred. That wouldn't even make any sense. Two hundred thousand cops. That's way too many, right? But whatever it was, like twenty thousand cops. Then they after BLM they were down to like fourteen thousand cops, and we and he's like we got to get back up and higher, and like we have to. Um, I don't know. Put all the support in place and make sure we're getting good candidates and paying more and and all this kind of stuff. And and Elon was like replying to, and you know became a of course became a scene on Twitter. Mm. Um, but I think a lot of people got in on it. And, but apparently, uh, then <clears throat> like a week later, <clears throat> excuse me again that cough I was talking about. Um, uh, yeah, it was about a week later. You know, I think it was. It hit the news that Benioff got got his demands met hmm. because a part of it was he was threatening he would not he was not going to have any conferences there anymore. Yeah, and a week later he gets his, gets his demands met, and then after that, I, what was the event where they brought in the Chinese dictator guy? Um, yeah, that was um, Gavin Newsom brought him in. Right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Some, but, well, it was some it was some <clears throat> forum or conference or something, and and he was a part of it or something. I didn't follow it too closely, but but apparently they really cleaned up, got it cleaned up fast in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, Benioff took to Twitter on that one and was like, you know, we can see that this is proof we can do this. It's possible, yeah. And that that tweet did not work did not work out well for him. Why? Oh, just the it the um the comments, um, the oh. backlash. Yeah. Why would that, there be backlash on saying that this is this is something that's possible to clean up? Why isn't it done every day? Uh, um. Well, I'll just. I, I don't. It's been a while since I read that tweet in the in some of the comments, but it was um, a lot of accusations of like hypocrisy and mm. a bunch of other stuff. <clears throat> I'm kind of I'm kind of sick of the modern world that holds every past comment against you. You know, like you're not allowed to evolve. You're not allowed to take in feedback from other people and evolve your position on things because people always go back in time and say, "Well, you're a hypocrite then because you said this back then." It's just it's just I, counterintuitive. No, to, I, agree, I agree with to, you. to the conversation of getting things done because I definitely evolved my positions. Yeah, um, but I think I think the problem is for 
if you're not really pointing out that you're evolving your positions and it's describing why it becomes, it comes off as gaslighting. Mm. Like, Oh, I, Oh, that wasn't me. I didn't ever say that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> true. True. So context matters and it's hard to do on what 140 characters. Yeah. But, uh, no, um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's so also for TDX this year, it looks like they're, we're bringing back, uh, the extracurricular. I wish I had something to contribute to that, but I just, I really don't. I'm just so busy and I just don't do enough work on the platform these days. I think to have interesting stories or opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel like there's, and I don't know if this is a grass is greener on the other side or, or it just seems that way, but. I feel like there's people out there doing far more interesting things on the platform than I am. Oh, me too. You know? Yeah, I feel the same way. It's just, I, I don't know, maybe when I was learning the platform or growing with the platform, I was exposed to so many different things and I was excited about it and everything. But I kind of feel like I'm the old man in the in the group that's kind of like, yeah, I've seen that before. I, <laughs> you know, my, my rose-colored glasses are, are dimmed. Yeah, I've, I've lost excitement. I just don't have it anymore. So... It's a wonderful podcast. Yeah, I know. It really is. I mean, I just don't. I mean, um, I think on I that mean, note, our podcast is transitioning to a beer only podcast yeah. next. <laughs> I mean, there are there are things that I'm not saying there's not like positive things that happen, but there's just just the the long standing um, kind of architectural and design decisions. It, it does feel like there's just, there's I'm some just, some areas that just don't get attention, and it doesn't seem like they're going to get attention and it just it it, it it I've and it's taken me twenty years to get to this position, but it just it is what it is. Yeah, I know that's a super reductive thing to say that's overused, but it really is just. And I should. It's like the scorpion and the frog. Like it's just. Yeah. What? Why am I expecting? I, I just got. It is what it is. It's a you know. It's just a thing, a, a fixed constraint in my professional life, and got to deal with it. And and I was gonna say that's not to say that there's not. Um, all kinds of interesting things happening in and around the platform. There are, I mean, mm-hmm. there, and there's, they're adding things and I've got a, a kind of thing to talk about here with some, I assume it's new, some changes to named credentials that are mm. pretty interesting. And so it's just, there's all kinds of things they're doing to, to um, increase like the, you know, integration capabilities of the platform and um, increase you, you know, like UI, um, features and performance and there's there's all kinds of things that ha- but those are in in the grand scheme of things kind of around the fringes it's the, it's some of the core things that i feel like we can't move we're not really moving the needle on um yeah so, so yeah it's um you know and I, the things i get more excited about are, are things like the you know these little incremental improvements they're making to like the bulk api or like change data capture in the streaming in the in the um the news it's not the streaming api what do they call it the event bus api what do they call it um god i use a uh, crap um i, I think i could have told I use it all you the time now um i mean I, it's I, not the streaming <clears throat> it's the change data capture uh yeah uh hang on i'll have to I mean, I've probably done more work on it than anyone because I implemented the <laughs> camel connector for it. Uh, PubSub API. There you go. Yep. So, yeah, it's that, that's, I mean, that kind of stuff is what gets me excited. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could probably put together some kind of interesting talk or something around one of those fringy things. But again, it's mainly just like a time thing. I just, I'm. Well, I think you'd be surprised. Right, I mean, know. I think integration is probably a pretty big 
topic these days. I know, I know it is. Um, like I said, and if it's if I had if I had time, I, I definitely would. I just, you know, at this point, I'm just like I'm, I. I think there's a low chance I'm even going to make it to TDX, so I'm not going to commit to anything. Yeah. I also think that ship has sailed. I think the or has that started? I think the call for papers is closed now, right? I wasn't paying attention. So okay. Which seems early because it's uh, Jan- January, February, March. Well, that's three thirty ninety days away. So they, but anyway. Uh, but I think that's them trying to meet the expectations of the community because they had announced that they were going to have very little community engagement on. I think TDX, and then there was a bunch of uproar. that was a misunderstanding. Remember, that was a misunderstanding. Was it? A mi- yeah, it was. Okay. It was. Um, and I, you know, I kind of jumped on that when I saw it. That I go, oh, this is terrible. And then the person clarified, and it was it was a misreading of what of what the the statement was. Um, and, and and you know, and I had you know some some people at Salesforce. Um, reach out and you know personally let me know that I got that wrong. <laughs> um and, and really just to clarify that they're actually doing they're getting more community input. Okay. Um and I've seen that. So extra cochlear is just one example of it. Mm-hmm. But also um they are um I think they've done this before but they they just uh in fact people should go we'll put it in the show notes. Remind me to do that to get that. But there's a, a survey that they want everyone to take. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, I think they're apparently are gonna really like those those survey results are going to be kind of gospel for them in terms of the whatever people are saying they want that's what they're going to do for this tdx this this upcoming tdx um i think it's going to be a lot of developer stuff hardcore developer stuff of course it's going to be i mean the theme is a it has to be it's just the the times we're we're living in in these in these tough times yeah (laughs) i can't hear that word without feeling cynical AI? Yeah. Or these tough times. <laughs> Stick with AI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, of course. I mean, you know, and you got companies like, you know, I mean, this is, <clears throat> AI is a wave that Salesforce is absolutely has to try to ride and maximize. <laughs> and it really, I mean, I've <clears throat> I got some notes here because they, they, they um, announced their, I guess it would be their Q3. Mm-hmm. Uh, their, their fiscal year always throws me off because they're in 2024. It starts in February. So it would have been their, <clears throat> they just released their Q3 financial results. And um, th- they really need this AI wave and it, it needs to materialize for them. I don't, I don't know that AI is going to materialize <laughs> for anybody, but I think, I think it is. I mean, the, well, and the funny thing is, you know, I always talk about how AI is a race to the bottom. Um, but when I say that, I'm really referring to, the core AI innovators, which which Salesforce is not in that group. Let's be honest; they're not in that group, no. and they're not even spoken of in those in those circles. But what sells? But that's fine. That's fine because I feel like a lot of the core AI innovators are they're not going to make it. They don't have a business model, right? That's not a race to the bottom, right? I mean, there's too much competition. It's too much of a race to the bottom. They're finding out. I mean, what what six months ago, you know, cost you two hundred million to generate, you know, in a model now costs you twenty million. And six months from now, it's going to be two million um, as the GPUs get better and just the, you know, the algorithms and the software and everything. It's all getting better at breakneck speed, and it's going to be it's going to be free. It's going to be free, and so the people who make money are the people who wrap it into in a in a value added way. 
into their applications and APIs and services and things, which I think Salesforce is like, they're obviously very serious about. And I think so far have shown that they, that this is, this is, they're going to, they are going to do this. This is going to happen. And, um, they're really going to increase the value of their products. Spoken like a true salesperson. Yeah, I know. I just, I feel like, um, speaking of that, I also had, um, Einstein for developers on my list to talk about. <clears throat> so we can get into that in a little bit, but I mean, I, I, I view it all as, as just another tool in the toolkit. I just don't see it becoming what people think it's going to become this, this kind of end of my job type situation. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not an automated repetitive thing. Like, like robotics did to the manufacturing industry. I don't see it in the same vein at all. Because our problems are just not that simple. And we've proven that time and time again. I mean, how many frameworks have we built as a community out there in the world? How many different ways of solving the same problem have we done in the, in the community in the world? It's just, it's just not going to happen, I don't think. I just think that the, the way we, we want to build things, the way we try to differentiate, differentiate ourselves from our competitors matters. The way we interact with our customers matters. The way we interact with each other matters. And those are things that I don't think AI can solve effectively. Um, I think it will change how we interact. I mean, I think it, I think, um, you know, we, I think we've always given like chatbots a lot of shit for, for, for good reason. Mm-hmm. And I think, I really think this is going to make chatbots suck a lot less. Um, that's, that's a glowing review. Chatbots, they suck a I'm, lot I'm less just, with AI. I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, and, but that's moving the needle. Um, I, th- I think it will, it's going to change how we interact with other entities, whether they're customers, employees, well, coworkers. I, I will admit that I think it will change, and I think companies will rush to implement it because it'll improve their bottom line short term. It, oh, this is the rush. I mean, just, just, like, just like previous technologies have done with, with phone, automated phone tellers and things like that, how everyone just rushed to them and implemented them just everywhere, and they brought their their – their resource head count down and everything, and they're they're way, 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 way. What? They're what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to stream this conscious of thought out. And I don't know. Resource heads came up. Came out. There. I was trying to say head count while trying to avoid mm. calling people resources, but then it mashed together and it became resource heads. Mm. I don't like that. That's against the rules, John, of the Good Day Sir <laughs> podcast. You know that. <clears throat> I think there'll be a rush, and I think it'll, it'll self-correct. What talking about? Is, is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay. That people will reject it because they, it's just. I don't think that's the way we want to communicate with each other. I really don't. You, you mean chatbots? What are we talking about? Chatbots. Uh, well, <clears throat> okay. Let's let's stick with the world of Salesforce, which is CRM and marketing. Mm-hmm. Which means you're going to try to contact customer service and get a bot that's not a live person. Mm-hmm. Is that, are people going to be okay with that? Is it going to work? Is it going to turn out better? Is it going to be the same as talking to a tier one support guy who has to read a prompt so before you can get to level two yeah. or three? Well, let me, assuming those aren't rhetorical questions, let me answer them. <clears throat> Is it going to be better than a, than a live human? In a lot of cases, yes, because the chatbots will be way more efficient at lots of types of tasks than a, than a human's going to be. Um, there are some types of tasks, though, that humans will probably always be better at, and you'll always need that escape hatch. 
Okay. Well, I mean, that was really general. What type <clears throat> of task do you think they would be better at in, in, in a CRM world or say a support world, if you want to box it in like that? I mean, just anything that has Googling it for you. I mean, kind of, um, except, you know, you're, you're talking about sort of the database being the web, the database is like, you know, a company's order systems, support systems, knowledge base systems. See, that's the fallacy of it all. Okay. Cause none of these systems are <clears throat> as well integrated as we all like to think they are. There, there's there's a lot of point to point communications, like and there's need, a lot of buses in between. Sounds like you need data cloud, but John. there's no there's no data lake, so to speak, that that's just accessible to this AI bot that's going to learn all this instantly. Apparently, you've never heard of the customer three hundred and sixty platform. Apparently, I have not. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, and I know that that's the problem it's trying to solve right there. But that's yeah. I mean, how many how many <clears throat> master data warehouse initiatives are still ongoing ten twenty years later? Master data model? Master data warehousing. Master data warehousing, what's that? Yeah. It's I mean, bringing all your data into one master, database so that you have a chance at, at reporting and all and oh, doing intelligence on oh, it. A master data warehouse. I'm not sure I've heard that term. Is that like an operational? I, I heard ODS a lot. People use I, that. I, I might have made Operational that data store? I feel like operational data stores are kind of an anti-pattern, but that's a, a rabbit hole we won't go down right now. Anyway, so TDX, uh, you get registered if you plan on going. Um, there's a code. And you can find it in the Good Day Sir uh, Slack, by the way, um, that you can register for basically for fifty bucks right now. Cool. Yep. Or no, is it? It was fifty off, fifty percent off. 50, so one fifty, one fifty. So yeah, because it's three, it's three hundred. The early bird pricing is actually cheaper than what they even said it was going to be, oh. three hundred bucks. But you can get fifty percent off that, so it's one fifty. But you get a two hundred dollar cert voucher. So basically, I've yet I'm being paid fifty bucks to go to TDX. So you know that code is except for your room and board. Hmm? Except for your room and board, <clears throat> that's true. Although I got a good deal on that two hundred two ninety nine a night for the Intercontinental. Hmm. I've I've almost got the Marriott Marquis, but it was three sixty, and I'm like sixty times three. That's one hundred eighty bucks more. I, I like the location a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, yeah, because I'm probably going on my own dime. So I just it's, I don't, I'm not sure it's worth one eighty. Yeah, I haven't hit you know. Salesforce exec levels of uh, disposable income yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think I'll ever be there. No, me neither. Uh, I'm unemployable. This is my problem. <laughs> You're a business owner. You have a better shot than that, me. That's my. That's the only way I can be employed is if I employ myself. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, well, we had the open AI debacle. Did you follow me that at all? I did at first, <clears throat> and then it kind of reversed course, and I was like, F this. This is a soap opera. It really was. It was fun. I mean, it was, but you're like walking, watching this, this dumpster fire uh, yeah. of tech just happening, playing out in real time. It was pretty I feel awesome. sorry for all the people who had to work like overnight and over the weekend, trying to put together these letters and offer letters and everything to try to grab these people up before other people did. And then only to, to get the, yeah, sorry. Uh, and again, another, another instance of really Twitter and Mark Benioff's Twitter activities really not working out very, very well for him. Um, I will say they the um, some of these open AI guys the way they were responding to Mark was really not not cool. Um, mm. Some of them were because he basically you know he, I don't know if you I'll, I'll catch everyone up. Um, so Mark Benioff uh, took to Twitter to basically offer to hire uh, each and all of OpenAI's <laughs> employees, yeah. which is crazy. <laughs> That's some serious swinging of something right there um 
uh, for a matching kind of whatever their equity and mm-hmm. pay and all that. And not even – I mean I'm assuming he has a, an idea of what they get paid, but just, just blanket uh, PO for <laughs> to hire an entire corporation. I don't know. Very strange. But uh, And some people responded and were just like, hey, that's really awesome. You did that. Appreciate that. But we're going to stick it out and see what happens. And then, I don't know, one of the top guys – I forget who it was now. It's like that one of the top guys at OpenAI it was, it was just really kind of not cool. He kind of re-subtweeted or whatever, um, Mark, and and he's you know I think the comment that got the most attention was he said, you know the thing is is like no one that works for OpenAI is going to go to work for the company that makes Tableau. Yeah, which is that's just dirty, man. I mean Tableau. First of all, you. How are those even comparable? I mean, what OpenAI does is not even close to what Tab- Tableau is. I think I get it. Tableau is business intelligence and pretty graphs and stuff and, and dashboards. I mean, it, that has nothing to do with OpenAI, kind of. I mean, I, I, I don't don't at me. I, I realize that these things can kind of be connected and you can whatever. And, and they're adding AI stuff to Tableau and whatever. But anyway, it was just a nasty thing um, that this guy said. And, and I don't know, hopefully he apologized for it. I, I think where it comes from is the <clears> idea <throat> that these tools for the longest time, especially by marketing, has touted them as – AI tools has touted them as these really smart AI tools and yeah. and, and machine <laughs> learning tools. You know they they took in these buzzwords and they they uh, ran them into the ground. And I think that caused some um, I don't know the right word, but it, it caused some bad blood within yeah. the, the the community, the mm-hmm. scientific community. That you're taking these technologies and you're saying they they're they're this when they're not. <laughs> I mean, and, that's just what happens. It just, when, that's what happens when people commercialize technology. It's, I mean, look it's, it's at look happen. at Benioff. He's standing on the heels of Einstein, who's which has been around for what a decade or so, and say we've been on the frontier of AI since for ten years ago. It's like, dude, come on, this is a whole different type of thing we're talking about, and you're still trying to label your stuff as is is and equate it to that stuff. Of course. But I'm saying, I get it. No Marketing-wise co- no and business-wise, yeah, no I get Benioff, why Benioff's doing it. But the other side is going, come on, dude, that's not what it is. Hardliners. Yeah. Huh? They're, just, it's, they're just, which, by the way, I don't think we're going to hear. We still have that bet. We're not going to hear that again. <clears throat> I'm poor. I have another. <laughs> um, it's so related to this open AI debacle. Um. And and I really I think the big takeaway for Salesforce on that is and, and all these companies who really hitched and hitched their wagons to OpenAI, and I know I get it, Salesforce is supposedly pluggable, so they've got you know an anti-corruption layer or, what, or whatever, some kind of service provider interface <clears throat> type of thing where you want to use OpenAI, you want to use uh, Anthropic. You want to use whatever your open source llama llama model, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, you can use all those. It's pluggable, so we're not necessarily tied to open. I, I get it, except I think if they're tied to any of those vendors, it is OpenAI to the point that they literally renamed all of their products. Blah blah blah. GPT. Mm-hmm. Now I get it. GPT is also not necessarily exclusive to OpenAI because it's just the name of a technology that actually Google invented. Their uh, deep mind division, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think the the, the three letters GPT is it just it, 
exclusively associated with ChatGPT now, which is an open AI service. Um, it's a genericized trademark now. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Salesforce, I mean, you can look, you can go read the press releases. It's still on their website. They Everything's mm-hmm. uh, service GPT, sales GPT, marketing GPT. Yeah. And I predict, and I don't know if I, <clears throat> I probably should have like been more emphatic about this, but I did make the comment that that the GPT branding is going to disappear from well, sales, yeah. Salesforce, from Salesforce. And this open AI, this is, this is why you got to be careful of who you hit your wagon to, whether you're in this case, it's Salesforce hitching their wagon to someone. They hitched their wagon to a company that just had a extremely public sudden meltdown yeah. that almost destroyed the entire organization overnight, mm-hmm. overnight. And that, that has serious blowback on Salesforce. But back to my prediction, guess what three letters you could no longer find associated with Salesforce products on their website? I'm assuming GPT. GPT, it's gone. <laughs> so it's now it's what was marketing GPT is now marketing AI. Hmm. This is an example. But I mean, we knew that. I knew they were going to brand GPT away from it. They just, they wanted to catch, they want that GPT f- phrase, that three, that acronym or whatever the hell it is, initialism. I never know the difference in these things. Yeah. Abbreviation um, was always going to be temporary, but it was on fire. So it, it's almost like when that, that, was it the Arizona tea company, one of these tea companies added the word blockchain into their official company name or something in their stock mm-hmm. shop. That's all this was. Yeah. Let's just, let's just jump in that. In that uh, stream and whatever, get some of that yeah. good, goodness all over us. And, that's, and, and then uh, knowing that six months down the road, it's going to be branded away. And, that, and that's, it's already happened. It's already happened. Yeah. And I'm curious who, who that worked for. Um, I mean, I wish I, I, wish I could get in front of <clears> a <throat> customer for, who was looking for, for AI technologies and said, you know what, that, that, uh, that branding, that Einstein GPT thing, that, that got my attention. That got it, me to at least take a look at Salesforce. It, I want to hear it, that story. It already worked, John. It worked. They, they used it at Dreamforce. But they used it with existing big clients who they're, they're, you know, they've got this give-and-take relationship with. Yeah. And they tried to sell it to everyone else who are probably not even looking at no, that right in now. In terms of the marketing buzz and, and the message to Wall Street and everything, it totally accomplished the mission. Wall Street, that's who it was for. Yes. That's that, who it was for. That is not for customers, not for people uh, building things, not for anybody, but but for Wall Street. Yeah, well this is this is this is why this is a public this is what happens when you have a public company. Yeah. This is it's the reality of having a public company. It's so gross. It 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 really is. And I yeah. I've never I've never had the desire to like work at a public company or, 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 a, I mean, I know like pre IPO, I guess you can make some money, you know, that's, that's always nice. Yeah. Not saying I would turn away that money, but ongoing working at a public company. It's just, I well, let me ask you this. <laughs> who's going to be the next, who's going to be the next software that truly puts this technology to better use? I mean, GPT is way too generic to be anything but a, I don't know. A fun tool to play around with. No, I disagree with you. No, no, just just follow okay. my train of thought. All right, it's the same thing that happened with all those low code low code tools that were just strictly online access databases where you can build things with point and click tools, but they had no direction. 
They had no utility. It was just so open-ended you could build whatever you want. But that that open openness didn't result in a product because people were like, well, I need to do this, this specifically. Yeah. And they're like, well, you can, but you have to build it all. And I'm like, well, yeah. I need, I need to get from zero to 60 pretty quickly yeah, here. Don't, don't want to build it. Yeah. Is, is it going to be a company with existing products? They're going to take that and make the next generation of software, or is it going to be a new startup that's going to do that? I, I don't, I think that's a false dilemma. I think it's both of those. Well, why does Salesforce exist? And why is Salesforce so successful when Oracle had such a stranglehold on CRM and, and Microsoft had such a stranglehold on CRM with their older tools? It's because Salesforce came and disrupted with, with a new t- type of technology, with a new way of solving the problem. Yeah. It, they, but can they Salesforce made it, they made do that like, again? No, they made the CRM look like the Amazon website. That's... <laughs> Can Salesforce reinvent themselves from scratch to to make AI like the platform, or is it some new startup with new ideas that's going to do that? And I'm not saying there's an answer. I'm just saying it's it's no. an exercise in thought. There's a so, reason that companies like Salesforce come about and disrupt the industry and become what they become. I'm but pa- once they're big enough, can they continue to disrupt the industry? I'm pausing because uh, I was trying to think. I want to. I don't. I'm, and I'm not going to have the exact quote because this is from my memory. But I believe it was in, in the um, the press conference for the earnings. What do they call that? The the, the um, quarterly earnings. Yeah, the conference call. Yeah. <clears throat> where Mark Benioff said that they have completely rebuilt Salesforce on AI. I haven't. <laughs> Just. You'd be asked the question, and I'm answering you the question with Mark Benioff's uh, And I think that's the problem. I think that's why companies that reach a certain size like Salesforce can no longer disrupt and innovate because they spend so much time lying about disrupting and innovating. I mean, but there's nothing yeah. to show for it. Yeah. And so they have, to, they have to jump to the next big thing so they can keep showing that, oh, yeah, no, we're still on top of this. We're still, we're still innovating and this is just, while doing nothing. <clears throat> it's free it's to enter- them. This is, just, this is enterprise software, John. Uh. I'm, I like <clears throat> building my, – my, my relationship with software is that I like building things that are useful. I like solving problems in a creative way, in a way that, that's useful to people. I like that people use my stuff, but and it's someone, useful. But you require that people pay you to do that, and it takes a lot of money to pay a lot of people to do well, things sure, like that. Sure, it's a trade, just like anything else. And I trade my time and my experience <clears throat> to develop goods. There, there's nothing that says I can't make money and be proud of what I built. Sure. You you can be a farmer and deliver great food and eggs and everything and still sell it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just – that's the way the world works. Yeah. I, you don't have to divorce the two. I'm losing your point, though. How? I just – I don't know where – Was it the eggs and the <laughs> – No, no, no. It was before, it was before that. <laughs> I, I don't understand why we can't focus on delivering good tools that people want to use – and focus less on hype and Wall Street? It's a rhetorical question. Obviously, it's money. That's the reason. It's greed. It's capitalism. But I don't understand why it can't exist on that plane. Good software, quality results, here's your money. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I, all about growth. Show me that, show me that chart that shows you're going up, I, I, and, I, and I'll keep your <laughs> stock price up. And I know I'm, um, I, I know I'm a, a broken record on this, but tell me you how know, you're going to measure me. <clears throat> no, it's it's it, it is it all comes back to 
um, finances and and the investor community in the stock market. Um, Salesforce is you know growing slower than its peers, makes less money than its peers, and um, I'll just pick on Microsoft as an example. This is true on for Salesforce versus Microsoft. Microsoft, at, even at its age and size, growing faster than Salesforce, more profitable than Salesforce, and Salesforce still has like twice or like a, a its price to earnings ratio is still much higher than Microsoft's. So. Salesforce has to grow into that stock. I mean, and you know, they've really their stock price they brought back. I mean, it was down like went the low one hundreds, and now it's back to like two sixty or something. Mm -hmm. But um, that that price that they're at is there's a lot baked into that. A lot of promises baked into that price, and those promises require. Lots of more growth, and and maybe even more than the growth, lots of more profitability. Yeah, and you can't take your eye off that ball. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think that's why you know so you see some of the decisions you see. <clears throat> that's sad. I know. Well, I mean. You know, Salesforce has brought us a lot of software, and they employ, you know, 50,000 people, and, and the ecosystem employs, you know, all of us schlubs, you know, millions of people. Oh, I get it. And and it's, honestly, it's, I mean, like, we're helping an organization migrate off a bunch of, you, are you familiar with Oracle Apex? That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. I've heard of it, and I've seen it. Just because it's kind of like some low code app development system. It, it's <clears throat> you know they're they're you know trying to migrate all the, their these apps off of that onto Salesforce, and you know really, I mean, Salesforce is such a better better platform than that. You have to compare enterprise software to other enterprise software. You can't compare it to like sometimes you got to compare it implementation implementation because. Some some things we use are just god awful. And what do we, what do I always said? I mean, I didn't make this up, but you know, enterprise software is not made for the people who use it. It's made for the people who buy it, who make the buying decisions. It's made for if you're a public company, it's made for Wall Street. I guess. And and when you consider you know Salesforce's peers. It's hard to find one that's doing better than them. In the CRM market? Yeah, and just like this, uh, I, th I mean, yeah. And, and, and also just like this, I don't know what you call these, these enterprise application development platforms. Because it's not just about CRM. Salesforce though, only does one thing, which is CRM. Even though that, um, yeah. yeah. It's a lot more than CRM, right? It's the... It's all the other applications. It's the APIs. It's the development platform. I think that's what makes it. That's what that's what makes it. Um, that's what makes me. I cannot talk today, but I'm trying that's to fine. say these words without being too cynical or saying the wrong thing. So I'm trying to figure find my words. But I think in a lot of ways that's my problem with Salesforce. Because it's not it's not a CRM product that I integrate with or that I interact with as a programmer. It's my programming environment, and that's what frustrates me about it more than anything. 
You know, because I've, I've been a developer before and integrated with other systems and filled the gaps and all of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I never felt as dissatisfied as I do nowadays with the tooling that I have, with the problems we're trying to solve. Basic problems yeah. of source control and deployment yep. and all those things, which yeah. should not be a major concern these days. It shouldn't be the hardest problem that you're solving. Yeah. I know. Because all that stuff contributes to our lack of trust from my customers, which is the business. That we've had to rebuild over the last year when I started with this new company, yeah. they, there was a lot of distrust because things were not going into the environment the way we expected. Mm. Things were not um, testing out in one environment, able to deploy and not have to be uh, tested again or revalidated. Because, I mean, this whole there's no there's no such thing as a good build. Exactly, I've been that forever. Right? Exactly, there's no such thing as a good build. Yeah, you, you cannot have a blessed and and it's that's oh, I just can't get over that because. In, in every other type of platform I've worked on, you can get an exact set of bits, and you can do all your testing on that. Mm-hmm. And when that passes, you can take that exact set of bits yeah. and put it in whatever environment you need to put it in. Right. And that concept just doesn't exist in Salesforce. Right. And and it probably can't. It probably can't because Salesforce is not just a runtime for code. It's, it is a runtime for code. It's also a database and a security system and a metadata system and all these things that you can't just like replace one set of bits with another. It, it, it's not um, atomic and like item potent like that. It's you're always modifying an environment you're deploying mm-hmm. to, not replacing that environment. And that right. just brings a whole set of problems and challenges that are probably like, just intran- intransigent, is that the right word I'm thinking of? You know, you're really, it's never going to look like traditional software deployment. It's always going to have more more of these challenges. Right. The question is just like, how well are we solving this? Can we do better? Can we do better? Can we, you know, you know, in the Salesforce space, also, you know, you know, I, I see more of these. I, for some reason, they're, I'm seeing them just more in Twitter and different places, but people complaining about you know the the capados and the auto rabbits and all these mm-hmm. things because they're they're trying to make it better but what i've always said about those like they're dealing with the same problems i'm dealing with they're just trying to yeah put a layer of goop over it to maybe soften some of the rough edges but still the same problems yeah you don't you, they're not getting around the problems they're just trying to like yeah, they don't have some secret backdoor no. in this Salesforce's system. Not, not that I know of. Not that no. I know of. I think they they have access to the same APIs I have access yeah. to. And people just are, you know, really struggling with those. I mean, there's, you know, it's mixed. Some people have better experiences than others, but I think, I don't know. And, you know, as much as things like, uh, I think Scratch Orgs help some things. I mean, I really feel like Scratch Orgs still are just like a, the do, in the domain of ISVs. That's where it's most useful. Mm-hmm. Um, I still haven't seen anyone take an existing mature org and break it down into like packages and re- redo the way they're. It's it's just still all happy soup. Yeah, I just haven't seen it. Um, it just doesn't because you can't refactor. Really, that's that's part of the challenge of like how are you going to take an existing? I know we're all over the place here, but that's what we <laughs> do on the show. You can't take an existing org and like refactor it in a pack. That's so so difficult mm-hmm. and and compounded by the fact that. If even if you in a, like a scan box or scratcher, you did start to try to break that up in the pack. Like now, how are you going to deploy that? Yeah, you can't deploy it. <laughs> nope. 
You cannot deploy it. Uh, no. I mean, not, not without just insane, insane costs. Right. And, and, no, and just no one's ever going to, that's never going to make business sense for anyone. No, because they bought a CRM product, not a pro- not an application but, development environment. But no, they did buy an application development. No, environment. they bought a CRM product. No, whatever. <laughs> who your who company, do you know bought Salesforce and said we're buying this because we want to build stuff on it? Tons. That's that's. Listen, if you're buying Salesforce for just a CRM, it's not the value's not even there. The the I always say this: the big value in Salesforce is the platform play, and the more you use it, the more you deploy it. The bigger surface area you give in your organization, the, the more value you get out of it. I mean, yeah, you're going to be spending more, but you're going to be getting more. Okay, fair enough. I mean, if you just want a CRM, maybe, and I don't even, I'm not even up to speed in this area, but maybe Pipe, what are the other ones? Pipe Drive or like, I don't know, like that are just basic CRMs. Because Pe- you know. Pega can. Yeah, they sure can. <laughs> <clears throat> it's right there in the tagline. Of course they can. Uh, Monday.com. <laughs> or is that more of a product? I think Salesforce bought that, product right? management, isn't it? No. No? I don't think so. Really? No. I, I thought so. Monday's still independent. I don't even know. Salesforce Monday. <clears throat> Maybe, yeah, I guess it is independent. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because they have an in- integration with Salesforce. So, I don't know. <clears throat> See, I told you one. All right, well, I got to switch to my second beer. We didn't talk about the first one. <clears throat> so I got a, um, lucky, I got somebody to ship me some monkish beer, which is out of, I think they're in El Segundo, which is in L.A. No, they're Torrance. Or maybe they're both. Torrance and I think they have two locations. Anyway, um, they do. Because surely, I think I've been to the El Segundo one. But this was their um, Hey Cuz, H-A-Y-C-U-Z, double dry hopped India Pale Ale, 7%. And now we're moving to Hand Signals, which is another 7%. Has some choice hand signals for you. Yeah, exactly. They don't really say what the hops are. This one's called Read Between the Lines. <laughs> Alright, give me your glass and, and vamp for me Or we can just cut this out and... I mean, I could vamp I could just continue ranting about my, my Salesforce development woes But, uh You had the Odell glass, right? I don't know what glass I had, damn it Yeah, you had Odell Okay Because <clears throat> you're sick and I don't want to get your sickness Yeah <laughs> I don't think I am sick, but I hear your point Got cooties. No, I know we. T- I know we complain about the, the development experience a lot on this show, and I just, as much as I want it to get better, I do understand the challenges around it. So I'm not completely blind to, to all of that. It is a different Sorry. type of technology, a different type of environment, and it's not to say that that someone developing, say, purely React or purely Visual Studio Code or something, or um, C Sharp or whatever, isn't going to have some challenges in, in their pipeline, but our problems are just much harder to solve. I just, it's just the reality of it. Yeah. <clears throat> and I guess some of the messaging from Salesforce is discouraging at times, too. Just the, you know. The marketing, yeah. You and do it, have to kind of just ignore the marketing because otherwise you will go crazy. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, I don't do a good job at ignoring the, the marketing. It just tears through me every time when I hear how simple and how quick and how fast and and how great flow no, is no and code. all of these yeah, things. Yeah, you don't need any code. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know who's deploying all their stuff for them. I guess they're just doing it in production probably. <clears throat> I guess. Uh, well, let's talk about Einstein for developers. So, did you see the conversation in Slack about this? No, I don't think I did. 
I'd never use it. I haven't. And I am <laughs> I am going to trial the JetBrains one, although it's not tailored to Salesforce, so I'll have to take that with a grain of salt, whatever suggestions it makes, but I do want to give that one a shot. Yeah, um, I saw that. I didn't sign up for it because I get I get Copilot for free, and I don't know if I'll get JetBrains for free. No. There's no. a trial, and <clears throat> there's like a $8 or something like that. Basically a $100 subscription a year. Yeah. For that. Which is, I mean, if it's as good as Copilot, it's probably worth it. I mean, I definitely... Yeah, I mean, I... Copilot, and it gets better all the time. <clears throat> but it, it just does. Copilot do well enough without having enough context about Salesforce. It so you know that's that's what we had a discussion about in Slack because I feel like it does know a lot about your Salesforce. So if you, <clears throat> you know, if you, if in your project if you've got um like your Salesforce metadata on disk, or at least if you've um generated the offline symbol table because mm-hmm. you know that generates all these it's kind of like stub not sub classes but generated classes that are based and, on hold on pause you're mm-hmm. doing this in illuminated cloud yeah, yeah. In, in IntelliJ okay yeah so not um, visual studio code not not vs code um but it's probably the same if you have just that information somewhere on disk in your project directory structure i think copilot can find it and uses it because when i have that stuff on disk then it tends to give me suggestions that are actually like valid things, like valid S objects with valid fields and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. it can generate SQL queries. Um, and I, haven't, I hadn't really used it to generate SQL queries, but the other day I went, I took to Slack to ask about how to f- formulate some kind of query I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody answered and they're like, yeah, here's, here's how it is. But you can also just use Einstein for, what's it called? Einstein for developers to do this. And it's like, oh, cool. It's like, well, I don't, I, just, I don't have that enabled. Um, but apparently, I didn't know this either because I'm just you know, not up to speed on things. Um, but Intel uh, Illuminate Cloud does, I guess, I guess the Einstein developers, it's available as an API, and and, and Illuminate Cloud fully supports that. So you mm. get Einstein for developers in Illuminate Cloud. It's under that when you do command in to like generate constructors or like override methods that kind of stuff. There's a one of the options now is Einstein for developers when you command in. So oh. like, it's like, that's like the generate, I don't know what that stands for. I, I think it's the generate code palette or whatever. Yeah. But Einstein for developers is one of those options now. And then you can just like tell it something. I'll have to try that out. Yeah. Um, so I don't have that, but I did, I did pop over to my chat GPT, or not chat, oh, um, GitHub Copilot window. And I asked the same thing. I said, hey, I need a, what was it? I think I needed a, a query for accounts of a certain record type that have no contacts related to them. And I asked it that, and it gave me the ex- perfect, exact right query. Nice. Yeah. And it's some, I mean, it somehow knew that you no know, record type has a developer name field and, and, and it knew how to just formulate the query and it query worked perfectly. It was exactly right. It's actually the same, almost the same query that someone else provided me. But what I don't, so I don't know if Einstein Developers does that. One thing that Copilot does is Copilot. Assume if you have this enabled while you're coding, it's just like constantly <laughs> suggesting things in your code editor, mm-hmm. which um, usually is pretty useful. I mean, it's and it's pretty good. And sometimes I'll even just like if if I'm not, if I wanted to like write me like a block of code, I'll just start. I'll just write a comment slash slash comment and then go to the next line and it just fills in the code. Oh, cool. So that's the inline in the editor. You also have just the, the little, there's the little docked window 
uh, IntelliJ for Copilot that you can just type something into. It's like, hey, generate me a SQL query or an Apex class or whatever that or a trigger that does X Y Z. So like for just from whole cloth, like creating a new class or trigger or whatever, it does that as well. <clears throat> so, but what I don't know if it's Einstein Developers does the like I'm in my code editor mm-hmm. and it's just inlining code editor. It's like com- completing statements for you and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't know if it's got that. I wonder if I'm too much of a handcrafter to to make too well. Well, I say that, but I've used like the the new I don't know what you call them, but snippets or prompts or whatever that you have in IntelliJ now, where you can like point like at the end of a array, you could do dot iter i t e r, and it'll generate the the for loop for you. Yeah, the, things like that are just yeah. quick wins for me. They're, those are they're not really those are static like boilerplate things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I, I mean, I find those useful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't have to type all that out, and I'm still in control of the code. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm, that's fine for me. I don't know that I need a lot of generate generative, but I just maybe I'm just too old for that. Who knows? The, I would say like 95% of what I'm using it for is like literally just like complete like that one line or at most like you know a two or three line block mm-hmm. of something that does something. It's pretty good at that stuff, and especially like in Java with all the um like what do they call it like the um the uh, it's not streaming. What is it? Um, streams, I guess. But there's all, you know. Method chaining fluent. Um, it, it's just all the functional style um, APIs they've added. Um, this kind of goes back several years now, but it's still just, that's a that's a big surface area of those APIs. And I never, always almost always having to like search up something or go to mm. Stack Overflow to like, oh, how do I like, how do I split this? List into a into a map using this is the key and this is the blah 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 you know whatever. And That's true. If you can write <clears throat> proper regex for me, that'll be a big one. No, it does. It does. Re- it'll write regex for I, you, dude. It's great at that, and it's hate great that. at. I found it's great at writing cron schedules yeah. for me. Yeah, you if you can do the things I hate, like I, regex, I just, then I just wrote I'm, a comment that was like, <laughs> I need a, um, you know, cron that's like every Saturday at this hour and this hour, blah blah blah, whatever, and mm-hmm. it just like boop, writes the cron. I'm like, this is. I mean that you know that's just saved me. It took three seconds, and instead of me, you know, having to pop out to like, okay, what's the fuck? No, no, sorry. What's the syntax for this? And do I use a question mark and asterisk here? I always forget, and I always get it wrong. Yeah, it's like plugging in a USB A. It's like no matter which way, you're always going to get it the wrong way the first yes. time. Yes. And then you flip it, and it's still not right. And then you flip it back, and you realize you had it right the first time. It just like you didn't have the angle quite right. Right. Just every single time. Yeah. And the same thing with the stupid asterisks and question marks and cron syntax. I'm always going to get it wrong because I don't understand why we have both of those. Right. And for certain fields, you can use yeah. the question mark or the asterisk, but for other ones, you can't. And right. I just, I don't know what nerd thought that was a good design, <laughs> but. I agree. Having written a layer on top of it, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I, so we have a named, let me see, I think this is new. This was um, actually, it was a, a post on Medium. Don't we have a we have a soundbite for that? I don't know if I I don't have um I got, oh yeah oh it's on medium <laughs> <laughs> I think that's me that is you <clears throat> kind of don't, I don't like clips of me soundbites of me you play them a lot though I do I yeah no this is one of you Jeremy was right <laughs> it's the best one um it was Susanna Pl- plasted. I don't know how to say what I'm saying. Anyway, it was on Medium. Oh, this is the Salesforce Architects blog, I guess. I don't know. 
And it was um, October 30th, so I guess it's relatively new. I assume this is GA now, but it's about the enhancements to name credentials. <clears throat> now, I'm not sure I've actually done anything with name credentials. I have. Okay. But just as a quick primer, uh, name credentials, you can basically say, okay, for this particular endpoint, here's the credentials we're going to use. Um, and you have a secure way to enter those credentials. And what does it support? Probably su- does it support like oh, what type of auth schemes does it support, or has it? Because tr- they've added some stuff. That's kind of what I want to talk about. But traditionally, what do they? I couldn't answer that because it, it supported a couple of different kinds, and then it looked like it changed to only support a certain kind. I mean, is it just like is it is it like um, the OAuth and the name credentials and things like that? Okay. I say named credentials, but what I mean is like username, password credentials, OAuth credentials, all those kind of different things. And this is for, a, this is purely for API calls, right? Typically, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Like web service or just like REST right. calls or whatever. I mean, it, it, it's its purpose is to store credentials safely. Safely, yeah. and when you utilize those credentials, you can for, you can use a certain syntax so that you're not hard coding those into your yeah. code. Yeah. So it's safer. Like this is, you know, then this type of separation of, I mean, this is super basic security stuff, but it's, it's required for like, um, what's, is it socks or whatever? Some of these, um, security you know, auditing. Yeah. 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 You, you can't, you know, obviously you can't have any kind of secrets in your, in your code. Right. <clears throat> so I think it's especially if that code's going to make it into a repo somewhere. Yeah. Um, but what's new is, so they've separated, the endpoint from the credential itself. So now you you create your your named credential, but it's really the end. But you create the endpoint, and then you create a look. Then you create your your actual credentials. I guess I forget what they call those Ex- external credential. Mm-hmm. And your your endpoint, you just you have a lookup, and you look up to which credential you want to use for that endpoint. So basically, you can reuse credentials. If you have multiple different endpoints that use the same credential, create the credential once, and then you just, you can have, um, you go to each of your endpoints, and you just, you you use the lookup to to select which credential you want to use for that. Yeah, I think I came across that situation. That was one of the things that changed, and it didn't make sense to me, and I hated it. But Mm. that was a, they moved my cheese moment. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, because everything I read in here sounds like it was probably well well considered and designed. But Um, there there was an option. I believe there was an option that got removed, a certain credentialing type. I don't know if it was like OAuth 1 or some of the old, older OAuth schemas or something that got dropped or something. And that that made it difficult to try to transition into that newer credential mm-hmm. style. Okay. Yeah, because they probably are not bringing forward the, the older technologies. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so the external credential captures the authentication details. And the name credential holds the endpoint. You know, they're separate, but they, they work together. Um, users, another interesting point, users now need permission to make callouts using specific credentials. And you can give them permission via permission set or, or profile. But I guess for each external credential you create, a user has to have, you know, permission to... It probably creates a, a, a new permission for each external credential you create. So that you can go into a permissions editor profile and check those off. Yeah, this user has access to this. Still never shows the user. The user never will have access to the raw credential, mm-hmm. the actual secret, right? Right. But they can, they can, the system will use 
that credential on on the user's behalf to go do some API stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Having a hard time describing this. Um, if a single user is granted access to multiple, they also have this concept of principles. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if principle is split out from external credential, but a principle is just, that's like the entity. So sometimes that's a user or a person. Sometimes that's a, um, an actual, like a, a specific machine or specific service is the, is the principle. It's like who, uh, what entity is, is this, when this API calls being made, <clears throat> what entity is it being made on behalf of? Is it John Santiago? Is it, um, is it our CRM integration service? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, what, you know, who is it basically? So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, so a user is granted access to, oh, if a user is granted access to multiple principles for the same external credential, there's a precedent that can be applied. So sometimes you'll have um, an endpoint, like a service that, you, that you're calling. Mm-hmm. that you might have multiple credentials for, <clears throat> depending on, like, say, which type of user it is. Is this a support user? Is this a marketing user? And so you might have it, depending on which user is uh, we're talking about here, you might have them use a different external credential, which, ha- which can do, you know, which obviously would have different levels of access to this external system. Yeah, that makes sense. And if someone has access to multiple, then there's a, a sequence. You can basically have a priority order. Like, if you have access to support and marketing, then we're going to actually go with support because it is a, kind of a superset of includes the marketing access plus some other stuff. It sounded like it was kind of limited, though. Like, if it's just, I feel like there should be a more robust, like, selection process for picking one. I don't know. Maybe not. I can't, I'm trying to think of a, a use case right now in my head. I can't. But it seems like just having a static order that applies to everyone, no matter what, is... And you could, you you probably can explicitly. I wonder if you can explicitly require, like for this particular. Yeah, I don't know, that's interesting. Like for a certain API call, maybe like you say, it has to use the marketing principle. Mm-hmm. If this person doesn't have access to the marketing principle, then it fails. Right. Or something. I don't know. I mean, I get it. it yeah. It, it offers more <laughs> flexibility, but at the same time, it's also introducing complexity, which you know. You don't want until you need it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem with complexity. <laughs> I feel like there's a very specific use case that this was expanded for. Maybe so. I feel like this is all pretty general, though, but maybe you're right. Uh, and then they said, so hyperscale providers, like hyperscale, interesting, like AWS, <clears throat> do in fact offer very fine grain access control, and we encourage customers to take advantage of those to the fullest extent. That way, when Salesforce is basically is the client app, right? Um, has that way Salesforce, the client app, will have minimal optimized access to the remote system. And they say they enable that via support for things like AWS's um, I am rem- uh, roles anywhere, which I, went, I had to look, I had to kind of went and looked that up, but it's basically a way to like, because I am is normally used like internal to AWS stuff, mm-hmm. but you can somehow at, at runtime somehow like authenticate and get some kind of token that allows you to be like an IAM principal when you're calling into like services, uh, your own service, not not AWS. It's, it's weird. I don't know. Again, hard to explain this stuff, but anyway, they support IAM uh, roles anywhere and also dynamic scopes in OAuth, which they say is great for Snowflake and more. They also say OAuth offers uh, a path for individual users who have their own 
auth or access the remote system. So I don't know if that's like just at, at runtime when a user goes to invoke something, it's it's like maybe that it can actually kick back to the user and say, oh, um, you know, it does the OAuth thing. Where it's like, oh, do you, do you approve Salesforce to mm-hmm. do this on your behalf? Here's the scope. Do you approve this? Yes or no? Right. So maybe kind of. But yeah, so they offer that as well as coarse grain access, for example, roles um, in external systems, which is more common. Mm-hmm. Um, users who make callouts will also need access to a new standard object called user external credentials. And this, is, this has got really weird to me. This object holds the actual encrypted access tokens or other secret values used to call out the external system. And now, they have to have access to, the, to, the, to that object, but I don't think there's any way that they ever actually get access to the secret. It's, it's basically access to use the mm-hmm. secret and access for the system to, like if it's, if it's an auth scheme where you get a session token that lasts for, let's say, four hours. Mm-hmm. If you have access to that, then you have access the system on your behalf will go get a session token and plop it into that, what was it called? User external credential record. Without you ever seeing it, you, again, you don't, act, you don't actually get access to the token, but the system, you have to have access for the system to do that on your behalf. Um, this new architecture stores those values in a data object so that many thousands of them can be persisted in a robust way, and we sidestep security concerns by separating them from metadata, because metadata, of course, is plain text. Mm-hmm. So that may be also different. Like, they sounds like they've transitioned. <clears throat> I don't know if name credentials. I mean, I know it was available in metadata. It was, but they've like this user external. They've transitioned this to data. So your actual external, what, what's it called? God, I'm never gonna remember these names. The external credential, I think, record and the the actual secrets within them are are data. So you can't, you know, you're not gonna. This is not gonna leak into your GitHub repository unless you do something stupid. All right. Um, oh, I, I have a I have a kind of a question on this for you, John. But I don't think Nave credentials <laughs> ever stored the actual credentials. I think it stored the top level metadata, like maybe the endpoints and things. But I don't think it actually stored the credentials. You had to go in and like con- and put in the credentials. So how do you deploy that? Then? How did you deploy that? How, how did you get that to your different environments and all that? How did you man? How do you manage that? Uh, when I did it, we had a name credential, uh, that would get deployed. And then it's as part of the configuration, the, the PS professional services configuration for installing the application, we would, we would go in and do the authentication, uh, the authentication. Just totally manual. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but the entry would be there because the code would ship and it had to have knowledge of that name credential. Yeah. There was a named value for that. Yeah. So we had to have at least that much in it. In the deployment. Yeah. It's like a, um, a static token that yeah. your code refers to. Yeah. Um, but I have a question. <clears throat> this is something we've kind of run up against. Sometimes you, and maybe there's a better way to do this. Um, and I'll get kind of specific. So I needed to, in Apex, <clears throat> I think it was either PGP, it wasn't PGP, it was. I don't know, some kind of, I had to digitally sign like a, a value. Mm-hmm. And the, the signing key, right, um, had to be available to Apex because I'm using Apex crypto functions. <clears throat> and so you, you know, you, what was this? I think we were generating an HMAC maybe. I forget. But anyway, it's one, it's a, it's a typical crypto function where you, you know, you, you got to give it your, some kind of key. Mm-hmm. 
and then the thing that you are either encrypting or signing, <clears throat> which is usually a blob, but you have to give it a blob. And um, the thing is, you know, so the Apex has to have access to the signing key. What is the way to protect that signing key, to have it available to Apex, but to protect it so that, you know, a random admin can't go in and see it? What's, what has been the way to do that? You could do it with a name credential. I think, we've d- I think I've done that before. So there's no endpoint here. No, but you okay. give it a dummy endpoint <clears throat> okay. and you use the token to merge in, say, the password field, which would have the secret in it. I can, but I need to get that in Apex. Yeah, you would do the same thing. You would merge so I, it in. I, uh, really? I, I don't, don't ask me the okay. specifics, but I've done something similar to that where I had to get some kind of token, <clears throat> but I wanted it secured. And I stuck it in a name credential, and then I used that whatever merging tool it was to get that value. Okay. So the solution that we kind of landed on was creating a a managed package that I believe we either did metadata or a custom, or what are they called? Custom metadata type? Mm -hmm. CMT? CMDT? What are they called? MDT is on the... In terms of the trailing acronym or whatever. What is it? MDT. MDT. It's like, the, yeah, it's a custom metadata type. Yeah. Right? I forget which one, which one we went with. But you can pack, you can, you can create the custom metadata type. You can package that in the managed package. You install that managed package into your org. And you can have, like you could have an interface that a user, like an admin, uh-huh. would plug in their secret value. And then your package's code would then save that in the custom metadata type. And that admin now, no, it doesn't have access to that custom, the admin doesn't have access to that custom metadata type. Don't so they? they? <clears throat> no. So they can't go into that custom metadata type and like and look at it and get the value back out of it. It's protected because they can be protected in a managed package. Oh, right. It can. Now that just seems like a real convoluted way just to protect a secret on the Salesforce platform. Yeah. And I suspect, you know, well, we're going to get people that tell me why, why I'm doing this wrong. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, I, I might even get corrected on my name credential, but I'm pretty sure I used it that way at one point. Pretty sure. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that was actually a pretty interesting I think it what was it Salesforce Architects. Uh, if you're using name credentials. All right, um, Slack got a new CEO. This is, again, this is somewhat old news. So I'm sorry, everyone, because John and I haven't talked in a month. So, <laughs> but it's interesting. There, um, the former CEO, I guess her name was Lydian Jones. She she left Salesforce or left Slack, whatever, both mm-hmm. to to go run a dating app. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the funniest part of that story to me. But this is the third CEO Slack was has had. That'd since. be a perfect part to play the "Let's Get Social" song. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have that? Oh, uh, the moment's gone. Yeah, it is. I know. Uh, <laughs> I got to figure out how also they have this new search feature, which I've complained about. Oh, here we go, John. Let's get social with social media. I love that thing. Uh, so cringy, it's, but man, it's I love great. It. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mommy, why? How did you get internet famous? Well, I sung the Let's Get Social song, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, where was I talking? Oh, yeah. This is, so it's the third, third 
CEO Slack has had since the acquisition. A lot of um, a lot of executive turnover at Salesforce these days. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, CEOs, co-CEOs, CMOs, a lot of, just a lot of. I mean, I I don't know. I think I, we're just in a weird time, and I don't know if it's ever going to change. But there's just so much turnover everywhere in like in tech. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, it does feel that way. Even in my company, we have a new CEO, so I feel it. <laughs> I mean, we we deal with that in our business. It's yeah. just like you know, it's a lot of turnover. But what's odd is is we got a new CEO, but it doesn't seem like our direction has changed much. So I don't know what's going to happen next year. I feel like we're coasting this year with with our current direction, and we'll see how things play out next year. But it's, you know, you never know. You never know who's, who, especially someone at, at that C level is going to come in and how much they want to put their their name on something. Mm-hmm. You know. Have you heard? Um, are you guys on a hyperforce yet? I thought we were supposed to last weekend, but that didn't seem to happen. So I don't know mm-hmm. when our next date is, but yes, we are moving uh, soon. I've, I've started hearing grumbles about Hyperforce, which is very odd to me. Um, I mean, I've got a lot of orgs that are on Hyperforce now, and I haven't really noticed any problems. I mean, it seems to be just better. I mean, there's things, you know, there's things you have is to do. Is it better? Is performance any yeah, better? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a little thing? bit. And, and, like the fast sandbox, fast sandboxes, that's a nice feature. Well, I can't, my performance isn't, I mean, I have performance issues, but my performance issues are CPQ. And if anyone's dealing with CPQ, mm. you know what performance issues I'm talking yeah, about. I'm never touching CPQ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's not enough money in the world. <laughs> well, there is. <laughs> well, that's okay. There is. Touche. <laughs> um. Yeah, just slowness and like random, like in you know, just internal errors, GAX, upstream errors and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean that's bound to happen moving to a whole new platform. But I, I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not saying these are even substantiated. I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I just happen to start seeing several complaints about that, and I didn't know if that was something that's real or, I don't know. So when you were on Hyperforce, you you be able to give me a testimonial? No, I'm not looking forward to it because I'm I'm afraid of things like that happening, and then it's a it's a mad dash to try to figure out what's going on and fix it. Yeah, I mean it's I, don't know. I think it's probably long term the best you know a, a good move, but it, the transition can be a little rough. I mean we've had to do a lot of like fixing hard coded URLs and different stuff. Oh yeah, but I mean we we should all know not to do that. But you it should, happens. but it happens. Yeah. And it happens when it's especially in stuff that's not in our control. We didn't do it. Well, yeah, know. I think in our case, it's probably going to happen because there was a lot of there's like two or three different outsourced companies that were building yeah. stuff in our tool, and so we haven't looked at everything that was built. I mean, we're slowly trying to you know own all of it. So mm-hmm. I'm sure we we're going to find something that was like, uh, don't know why that's not like that, but we'll fix it. Speaking of uh, speaking of hyperforce, did you see that? Um, Amazon, I guess AWS specifically, and Salesforce have this new agreement. And I, I can't tell what it was. It's just like, you know, again, it was, <laughs> it had a bunch of AI hand waving. Mm. But my main takeaway was that through, I guess, Salesforce, you're going to be able to buy Salesforce through AWS. Interesting. Yeah. Um, this will enable customers to seamlessly, this is the part that I'm like, mm-hmm. seamlessly manage their data across Salesforce and AWS. I mean, that makes sense because Salesforce is on AWS. Um, and to allow users to integrate artificial intelligence technologies into their applications and workflows. 
But that doesn't sound like provisioning a whole new Salesforce instance. No, this is this is it's a separate story, okay. but they're just related. Um, but yeah, and then it says some Salesforce products will be available on AWS in 2024. I wonder what that means. I, 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 to me, it's like you can you can buy Salesforce through your AWS account, maybe. That or things like marketing cloud or whatever. Maybe, yeah. I'm not sure. I do know, you know, Salesforce. Um, if you're on Hyperforce, in addition to theoretically better performance and, um, you know, the the things that we know are going to be better, like the sand, the fast sandbox refreshing things like that. There are specific, you know, hard additional features and integrations that are accessible to you if you're on a, if you're on Hyperforce, like some mm-hmm. of the event bridge stuff, mm-hmm. which is if you have a problem that needs that, it's pretty sweet. I know uh, some people in our Slack. Are, uh, are yeah, one of our one of our guys was looking at event bridge for something because uh, we use platform events, and I think he wanted we were using some different tool. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I think we're looking at that too. All right, just keep blowing through my topics here. So the Salesforce uh, Chicago Tower opened. I saw that. Yeah. So it's weird in a in a in a an empty tower. With I guess no people. I know, and, and, and they they must have committed to this before yeah. COVID is the is the problem. You know, you you commit to it um, because that or it's just coming out of marketing budget. We need a big tower with a we need a big phallic symbol with our name on yeah. it. Chicago off exactly. Chicago. And by the way, I, I saw this Dallas Salesforce building for the. I mean, I guess the, every if it if it has the word Salesforce on it, you got to call it a tower, even though it's just a building. But there's a Salesforce building in Dallas that. Yeah, yeah I, was, I, th- I think I was driving up. Um, I think it's at Woodall Rogers, and I looked over and it's like, oh, there's the Salesforce building. I've never been to it. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> if any local Salesforce employees uh, listening, probably, they could give me an invite. Ghost town. It probably yeah. I mean, no one goes in unless they have to. I went to our. I, did I tell you about going to our Dallas office. It was a ghost town. <laughs> there are some salespeople there. Do you guys like, actually have an office you lease, or is it just a co-working thing? Or no, it's an office. You have yeah, an office. It's, it's our office. Yeah. Is it like staffed by like a receptionist and not anymore? No. <laughs> There's a kiosk we have to yeah. sign. In. <laughs> I got there early. You know, and thinking, what happened to that receptionist job, John? This is the thing. Um, yeah. No, she's still around. She's okay. just working from home. Because I had to, I had to slack her to get my parking validated. How do you recept things from home? Uh, slack <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but i did I, I, had to, I had to slack her to get my parking validated. <laughs> um anyway the uh, chicago tower 57 stories by the way yes chicago uh office buildings are at 52 percent of pre-pandemic occupancy levels hmm. which is why out of this 57 story tower salesforce has 12 of the floors <laughs> And the others are probably – I know they, they sublease some of them already, but there's probably a lot of empty. Yeah, I was going to say Salesforce could be playing the retail the, – I'm sorry, the real estate market here. Buying but, it cheap and subleasing it out. But in, in Salesforce's own defense, they said they have nearly 2,200 employees in Chicago, and they've always – this is a quote – we've always had a hybrid work environment. So that's why we don't need very much space. In well, this, that's because that's where uh, Tableau and MuleSoft is, isn't it? Um, Chicago, sure. yeah. Uh, Mulesoft is, I think. Where was Exact Target in Indianapolis? Um, right. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know who was in Chicago. I don't know if anyone was. Or if, I want to say it was Tableau or. or it it might have been. Maybe. Yeah. You might but be either right. way, I mean, that could be consolidation of all those different offices into one tower. Could be. Yeah. Uh, let's see. 
Salesforce Tower's grand opening comes as the broader Chicago office market remains in a deep slump, with companies continuing to shed space in the post-pandemic hybrid work environment. Uh, anyway, well, good luck to the uh, real estate initiatives there. That's, that's a tough, tough road to hoe. Yeah, I wonder what the future's going to look like in terms of <clears throat> modern business retail. It'll just be more like a WeWork style places where you can just kind of come in with open spaces and things that's, like that. That's, that's a way. I mean, I think company. I'm, I can't speak for Salesforce specifically because I really haven't been into a Salesforce office in a while. But I, I bet that's how they're working. I think that's the way most of these companies are working now. Is they they've converted like eighty percent of their office space that they have existing leases on into like hot desks. Yeah, you don't you don't have a permanent space. Yeah. That's and, kinda, and the thing is, like, people don't want a permanent space because people don't want to be they're they're on Zooms all day or they're banging out code. Like, they don't need to deal with a shitty commute and you know having to like. And that's something we've always <clears throat> we've always kind of, especially for me because I've I've worked from home off and on for years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, I mean, there's there's that commute component where you, a good hour hour and a half of your day is just gone, just getting to the office. Yeah. And then you might leave early because you're like, I got to beat traffic or I'm going to be on the road for like yeah, two I hours. Yeah, I got to pick my kids up or I got to stop and get yeah. a prescription or something. You know, it's like, you know, it's just being further away from home and dealing with a um, rush hour problem. traffic. Is, and this makes, has always been a problem with working from home is you don't know when to stop. Well, for, for dedicated for employees, mm-hmm. not knowing when to stop is a problem. For yeah. quiet quitters, that's a problem for the company. And this, of course, you know, I've always said this, like, be better at managing. Be a better manager. If you need be better, uh, Jeremy, and and you know, I know these are kind of like platitudes or whatever that come kind of comes off that way. But if you actually need like temperature sensors in the seats at your office to know whether you're getting productivity <laughs> from people, then you probably need to work on your management skills, yeah. bro. Yeah, talk to your people. You know, yeah. Don't as, use my my Slack status as yeah. as an indication of how much work I'm getting done. Exactly. I mean, find find ways to like not only measure people but help them and and understanding understand like how you can clear paths for them and do your job as a manager to make their job more productive. If you're doing that, then it doesn't. I mean, again, for for lots of kind of jobs, it doesn't yeah. matter where you are, especially nowadays. Yeah. All right, let's get to earnings because uh, again, Q3 was released. So we, you know, the I guess I could sum this up. This earnings says, I mean, we are officially in. We, we officially transitioned to. I mean, because growth has gone from gosh, just even a couple of years ago, twenty five percent year over year growth. Now we're at up ten, eleven percent mm-hmm. growth, which makes Salesforce not a growth company. They're not a growth company anymore. So the way you evaluate and measure and everything else is very different, which is why the activist investors, you know, a year or two ago jumped in and said, yeah, you're not growing like you used to. You got to do something. And we're going to buy enough of your stock to make you do something. Right. Um, And that's why, you know, Salesforce is, you know, to their credit, really, um, I think, turned a corner here on uh, increasing margins, operating margin. And, you know, that's, that's not been without a lot of. Um, well, when you're in growth with, mode, with a lot you can, of hang on, with a lot of consequences to to yeah. humans, yeah, um, which is the difficult, real difficult part of this. But it, yeah, I was it, only going to add is, that when it you're is in, business and it is inve- inevitable, and anyone listening to this podcast knew that this was coming. I told you guys, yeah, 
I've told you guys, as soon as the growth slows and or the interest rates go up, which they have, the game is going to change. Everything about it is going to change the business completely. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, this is not even a commentary on Salesforce. It's a commentary on every business that we all kind of play by the same rules here. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that people, I think, don't, a lot of people didn't see that coming. They're blindsided by it. I guess, yeah. But I think it's it's. Wait, but we're in Ohana 2.0 now. Did you know this? <laughs> this was part of it, and I didn't. I, think I didn't are... even put this on my list. But did you see the Bloomberg? Or was it Bloomberg or Business? It was a Bloomberg cover article. The cover story. Really? You didn't see this? No, I didn't Gosh, see that. You know, what? there's this thing, John. Um, if you go to www.gooddaysirpodcast.com uh-huh. and you click on community, yeah, and you put in your name and your email address, uh-huh. you can get to this thing called the Good Day Sir Slack, yeah, in which you will find out about these things. Oh. So you should do that. That sounds. I handy. mean, I will. I should do that. <clears throat> I'll. Uh, I'll approve you instantly. Yeah. No. Bit, busy. So. Um. Yeah. Bloomberg's cover story was. I didn't put it on the list because it's kind of. I don't know. I don't. As you may have noticed, like I'm just for my own mental health and all kinds of other reasons. I'm trying to like focus on more positive things mm-hmm. in general in my life. <laughs> Uh, including my work life and Salesforce and everything. And this is, it was just, but anyway, so I'll just say the article was about um, how we're in, and this, and this is a, it was Benioff's term, Ohana 2.0. So you can read into that whatever you want. I don't have his comments on exactly what he said that meant, Mm. but I think it was Benioff's. It was in the article, but it's just about how, um, yeah, we're, we're, (laughs) people are being measured differently now. Um, We're really, again, they have to turn the screws on profitability. Yeah, that puts a big point. And that means big boy that, pants like, on. everyone's position is scrutinized. Every salesperson, we're not, you know, you're going to be, it's quarter to quarter, man. You got to make it or you're out. Well, sales um, was always kind of like that. I think it was the other departments that didn't really feel that pressure. So sell, supposedly, though, this has hit sales way harder than anywhere else. The laughs hit sales harder and this ongoing performance management measurement is is hitting sales harder. That's just, I don't know how that, much harder it can it get because well, I've always heard stories about account executives and salespeople just being constantly under the thumb. I think that's I think because that, there was always yeah. that push for growth, and that growth came from new subscriptions, and so there was always that that foot on the pedal. Well, they, so this is the story they talked about how that might have taken you a few quarters of of not performing to get put on a pip, and now okay. like you're, you'll put a put on a pip immediately. Gotcha. So you can read the article. I mean, it was a long. It was, it's a it's a it's a in depth piece. Mm-hmm. Some good cover art too. You should at least look at the cover art. Okay. We're going to put it in the show notes. So others yeah, can we, find we should. it, including yeah, we should. myself. Um, yeah. Um, gap earnings, a buck 25 a share, non gap to 11 a share, which means about half of their earnings were basically just from, again, share dilution, stock based compensation, whatever you want to call it. Um, well, that could have been worse story if he gotten his open AI people. <laughs> but again, they you know they keep they, they've really done well on the profit margin thing, and again, unfortunately, it's the cost of well, a lot of people. But um, and it's really interesting to see you know that oh, it's always tough because you know that when you um, anytime you have to like do a mass layoff, um, it's gonna it's gonna affect things. Mm-hmm. That it's not without cost of the business. So, but again, uh, high-performing companies—they figure out how to deal with that and you know, better ways to to operate. You have to. 
It's ripping the Band-Aid off. It's yeah, going to hurt for a bit. It does. But then the, it'll, the pain will subside yep. and get back to business. Um, but yeah, revenue growth was 11%. So, uh, again, uh, a lot different than where we were even a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It was the, there was the COVID wave. That was, that was good for business, for these businesses. Yeah. Mm. I think to a certain extent it's sticking. <laughs> it's just, I, I, it's, it was just a, it was a peak that was bound to come down, you know? Yeah. It just wasn't going to sustain at that peak. So you it, can't operate like that peak is there still. MarketWatch had a, th- uh, a piece kind of about the growth um, saying that Salesforce is more like a mature software company than one, that, than one that's in the hot cloud sector. Um, so the low-digit low double growth we are seeing now in the future is likely from what most investors expected um, – Oh, significantly down from what most ex- investors expected even just a year ago. Salesforce is no longer a growth company uh, by virtually anyone's metrics and needs to be compared to other mature software companies on all metrics, including valuations. Yeah. Um, let's see. But the, the, I think the title of this article is like this, the fact that Salesforce is kind of changing how they present themselves to Wall Street and what their strategy is for stock, you know, valuation and everything. Um, is they may return to their old ways in mm. scare quotes. Uh, and so for maturing companies, a typical tactic to achieve growth is to buy it. So they're saying that Salesforce might go back into, you know, acquiring. They, and they talked about how it was, it was after Slack or was, was Slack the most recent huge one mm-hmm. that they would, they were going to, and then I think the investors wanted them to also just put, hit the brakes on all this acquisition acquisition. I think there was a question about, you know, if they're getting the value out of those acquisitions. Like, you know, when you pay X amount of billions for a certain thing, like how feasible is it that you're going to get your value out of that? And then what's the, t- what's the timeline on that? Mm-hmm. And you have to discount the timeline for time value of money and all that stuff. So uh, some investors worry that growth may fall into single digits or the Salesforce may return to a more active, uh, more active M&A program. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chief Executive Mark Minoff told analysts that Salesforce has been completely rebuilt and is now well-positioned for the AI revolution. That's a lie. I don't know. I don't know that it is. I mean, You might call them hallucinations. I call them lies. I think some of that's... What is that, <laughs> what is that from? Uh, that's from his, his uh, Dreamforce uh, that's keynote. Right. Yeah, that's good, John. <laughs> good callback. Um, yeah, I mean, some of that's just, you know, typical CEO bluster stuff, but I mean... I, I do it's see not, I do fake. see a it's potential here because they did scale back on the international market, focusing on very specific markets internationally, uh, and they scaled back some in some operations. I could see them again ta- trying to tackle those markets with some success in hyperforce, giving them a little penetration. Hmm. Hyperforce. Yeah, being run on AWS data centers because yeah. like, their original international plan was to set up data oh. centers. Yeah. But yeah. that turned out to be a lot harder than anyone expected. Well, and I think with a- with ABS, they'll be able to refocus that attack vector, so, <laughs> so, so to speak. Going back to their earnings information, let's let's look at that. Um, so for Q3, year over year, <clears throat> in the Americas, their year over year growth rate was 9.3%. So well under the 10%. Mm-hmm. Europe, 14.5%. And APAC, 17.6%. So yeah. it, it is international that is still 
yeah. the, the growth drivers right now. Now, they're small. I mean, in, in the Americas, they did $5.8 billion. In Europe, was $1.9 billion. And APAC is $860 million. But still, that's where a lot of their growth is coming from, is international. And I think that they can... I think that can continue to be a growth sector for them. You want to look at clouds, growth by cloud? Yeah. Um, sales cloud, 11%. Service cloud, 11.7%. Platform and other. <laughs> okay, stuff we don't really want you looking at very yeah. closely. 11.4%. But I think that does get broken down a little bit. Let's see. Uh, we have marketing, commerce, 8.9%. Data. Now, I think data includes data cloud. MuleSoft and maybe Tableau. 20? Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, 22.3%. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so, that's where we're at. Do you have a thought on that, John? You seem like you're, you have a thought cloud in your head right now. A thought bubble. I don't know. I don't have. I don't have a way of putting my my confused thoughts into words. But yeah, story of my life. I mean, I'm I'm not. None of it like concerns me. I think it's just it's it's going to be a transition period to understand how they're going to, from a strategy standpoint, continue to make it investors happy. Because I think it was. I'm not going to say it was easy, but it was easier to just ride the growth wave and say, "Yeah, we're still growing," and I, shuffle the numbers and say, "Yep, we we." We're still growing and growing and growing. But when you had to move to profitability, I think that's a whole different story. Yeah. And, and I really, I a lot of the, the growth slowdown, I mean, I, I kind of don't put on Salesforce as much as I do this. I don't see, I, you know, we're, we're basically in a recession. Uh, in some, in, you know, and I know, I know there's, there's different definitions of recession. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are feeling... And have felt for a while that we're in a recession. Um, and I think, I think you're seeing a lot of that. Purchasing decisions being delayed or outright just put on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, and the in, interest rates have changed everything. Money is more expensive. So mm-hmm. you're, and it's not, in, not only is it more expensive to, to tech vendors, but it's, it's more expensive to their customers. And so you're just seeing contraction in buying. Sure. And I don't, think that's on, I don't think that's a reflection on Salesforce. I don't, but I, I also think <clears throat> Salesforce rode the growth wave a little longer than they should have. Why wouldn't you, right? Why wouldn't you? But yeah, they definitely pushed it to as far as, the, as, as, far, as far as they could. They, they milked that thing. They did. Yes. That was and, what I was looking for. They yeah, milked they it. They sure did. And, and we, we, we would say exploit. They exploited <laughs> the opportunity, John. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you, you know, I can blame for that. Um, but this, this is this is where you know companies that are managed well will set themselves apart. It's a the the macro environment quickly and dramatically changed, starting mm-hmm. with COVID and still continues. And we'll see how they respond. They're responding. They are, and I mean, I can't fault them for not not fault, but I don't think they've done that bad of a job in transitioning. I don't. I don't either. I mean, um, and they've they've. I mean. They really they've had other challenges too. Like again, that's kind of the this executive shakeups they keep having to deal with. That's that's just additional challenges. And and that you know, maybe you could say that reflects on Salesforce. Like why are they what are they doing internally that they're having um 
some executive shakeups. I, I think it's just a lot of that's normal, though, I, especially in a tumultuous environment that we're all in. Yeah, everyone's having to is having to shake things up to do the right things for their business, and that that is absolutely going to mean um change. You know. <laughs> shake up in management mm -hmm. and and that creates demand so this you know this dating app that the slack ceo went to work for well they you know they for whatever reason had some demand for uh, a ceo and people are always gonna be trying to poach your people and that's just mm -hmm. you know, again it's how you deal with it and um salesforce has made some really really difficult decisions i think well i think you also got to think about the a, per, a, a person's individual satisfaction at the job. I mean, being in a growth company is different than being in a company focused on profitability. And, so and to move from a profit-focused <clears throat> business to a growth business or going back to a growth business like the dating app, which is probably a startup and growing and has and, sh and a place where you can have impact in, in a very specific way is probably more attractive. Yeah, and it's, it's, that's what, it's a very competitive yeah. environment. Um, so competitive that, you know, you've got, you've had Two co-CEOs now that have left Salesforce for who knows what. Re I mean, I don't know what Keith Block's doing nowadays. I think he's on some like investment he fund. Yeah, I think he kind of did, or he's he tends, he's since involved in some kind of investment fund or something now. But you know, Brett Taylor obviously is. I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't. I never met Brett. I really haven't followed his career that closely, but he's apparently an impressive guy. Um, uh, he just got on a board somewhere. Open AI. Open AI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I was like, um, yeah, he's still doing stuff. <laughs> you know, and it's it's hard to people who are you know really talented and really ambitious and the and the market recognizes that it's hard to keep them. They're being constantly poached by fantastic opportunities. Yeah, and it's just it's like I don't know. That's just it's a bummer, but it's just part something that we all have to, we're all having to deal with. Yeah, but again, I think you know Salesforce with um you know they they had. Pressure from the activist CEO, uh, the activist investors. Um, they've really quickly had to transition from a growth company to be, becoming more profitable. Luckily, they had, I think, the a lot of the AWS Hyperforce stuff, you know, was clearly already in in place, and hopefully that is helping them yeah. with with some or will pay dividends in terms of the, the uh, whole the, the, the fact that Hyperforce <clears throat> exists and it existed for different reasons that they're using it for today but the fact that it exists i think was a was a a big win for them the fact that it previously existed and, and i think because it allows yeah. them to transition because not it's not just mm. the the money of owning your own data centers the the price of hardware is 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 up there as well and especially for ai driven hardware and and that's just that's just not something they want in the books. And, and no one can buy hardware cheaper than AWS can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they'll make their own hardware. That, you know, just like they drive their own delivery trucks everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's like they'll just it vertically integrate the entire stack. Yeah, whoever they, whoever whoever, <laughs> whoever came up with Hyperforce or the the pod the Hyperforce the pod the Hyperpod whatever it was the called HP Superpod. Yeah, the HP Superpod. <laughs> that's the technology that allowed this to happen. It was that decision. Yeah. And that decision came about because there were some larger companies, and I believe it was insurance companies, that had massive data amount requirements. And they basically had to have their own instance of Salesforce, not shared, not, not uh, democratized. Yeah. It was their instance. <laughs> and that's the technology that allowed us to be where we're at today, in my opinion. That's how I see it coming, coming yeah. to fruition. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that um, transition to AWS, you know. Uh, maybe more serendipitous than what 
was expected. Yeah. Well, international markets too. Yeah. Data residency was a big issue too. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was a known, that was a known problem they were solving. Yeah. So, all right, John, well, that's all I got, man. Uh, did I, did I carry this? Yeah, for you, us? Did. Okay. you did. <laughs> that's good. I'm just reacting to everything you say. Yeah, so I'm just trying to fine. contribute. Yeah. All right. Well, dear listener, um, as aforementioned, as aforementioned, is that the word? Previously mentioned, um, you should join our Slack if you haven't already. Good uh, www.gooddayserpodcast.com. Just click on community. And do the do the do the do the necessary. Do the deed. Do the deed. Um, we have an email address: info at gooddayser. Yeah, info at gooddayserpodcast.com. And we apparently have a contact form on our, on our website too, which <laughs> which will make it to us. I'll just go to the website and poke around. Yep. And this, you never know what you might uh, you know, find. Share us with your friends and your enemies and all the socials and. You might even see our ugly mugs on there. On where? On our website. Our, our faces on there? Yeah. <clears throat> I just literally don't ever. I mean, do people, I don't ever, I don't go to the podcast. I don't go to the website. People listen on podcast. the website for some reason. I, I, I don't know. know why. It blows my, blows my mind. <laughs> I, I, but, every, time, every time I hear people, because I hear other podcasts talking about that, how people listen on the website. I'm just like, wow, that's a thing. Yeah. And I always, that, which also is why I forget to tell people to subscribe to our podcast. Like, there's no podcast I listen to that I don't just, that's how I listen to them, is I find them in my podcast app and I hit the subscribe button so mm-hmm. that new episodes come in. So, by the way, if you are not subscribed, just subscribe to your podcast app for you people who don't do that. I don't believe there are any. That blows my mind. There's no think, way that I, people just like manually find the new episode or some episode of a podcast and just and just play that one episode in their podcast player. They might be Googling for something and it comes up as, as, a, as a podcast show topic or something and they listen to it. I, I guess. It'd be purely organic. I'm just, I'm blinded by my own usage patterns, I guess. I can't, I can't see it. I can't see out of it. All right. What else, John? That's about it. Right. Uh, is this our last recording for the year? Probably. <laughs> it might be. It might be. <laughs> Maybe we can squeeze one in next week I'm, just to make it the 18th because we got to tie it up before the end of the year, right? How many did we um, do this year? 10? Maybe? We had more than 10. I don't know. We had more than 10. Well, it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. Let's see. You're actually going to count them? I am. Um <laughs> One, January, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And this will be thirteen. So wow. Wow. That's at least once a month. <laughs> it's our weekly podcast for you. <laughs> yeah. Well life got the better of us this year. We'll oh, see yeah. how next year plays yeah. out. I mean, hey, at least we're doing what we can, you know? That's true. That's all you're just know. trying to give everyone a chance to catch up. Yeah. We know exactly. there's a lot of people who just Need some time to catch up to the current episode. That's true. That's always a thing. It's not like our episodes are like an hour and a half long. It always amazes me when someone chimes in on the Slack on some episode from like six months ago. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I don't even remember what we talked about that long ago. I know. So. Probably the same things we talked about today. Makes, I know. That's the sad truth. <laughs> the same shit regurgitated every Just every repackaged. Yep, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One trick pony. That's what we are, John. Oh, well, and to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing! You lose! Good day, sir!